Well, good day to you. Technical Tuesday. Let's do this. Technical Tuesday, and um, I have just lit up my pipe on a, well, it's actually, yeah, it is Tuesday. No, it's Monday. It's Monday for me, and um, I'm recording this a day ahead of schedule, so uh, it's not too um, far in advance for me. I need to rack these podcasts up again, but um, I have uh, just been having a, a really interesting read. Uh, Monday is usually my, um, my kind of just uh, ease back into it um, day and uh, so I usually get started with a bit of um, a bit of prep and just kind of carve out the sermon structure and just indulge myself in a little bit more reading than I normally would allow in that you know you usually have stuff to do and things you got to get on with but I just kind of um, try and try and just uh, give myself a little bit of extra time to read stuff that that I just find genuinely interesting and um, in this instance, uh, I got put onto an article. Um, in uh, it's actually a free book. <laughs> it's called the the failure of American Baptist culture, and you can get it on Gary North's website if you know where that is. I think if you just Google failure of American Baptist culture and Gary North, that should get you there. Uh, wow, this book is just something else, man alive. Um, I'm interacting with it because it could be of some help to to people that I know, but. Um, it's just uh, it's it's actually a very relevant thing in terms of like the anti, you know, everything this podcast is about in many ways is uh, the and the very antithesis of that. It within reform circles anyway is represented by this book, not so much on the Baptist culture thing, but uh, on the issue of uh, you know eschatology and the, the overlap of the ages, the two age thing. Um, and uh, so much of what goes with it in Kleinian theology, two kingdom theology, etc. I mean, this is definitely leaning towards monocovenantalism. It's definitely leaning towards, um, well, it is. It's just uh, plain old reconstructionism at the end of the day, and uh, just everything in. Ref- I would say every all the bad stuff of Reformed theology. So it's quite a book actually to go check out. Uh, you see this this great big uh, compilation of um, almost reconstructionist ideas. And uh, critiquing the Baptist culture thing, and uh, look, I mean, you know, Baptist, I, I, I hate the expression Baptist in many ways, because, like, wow, you know, I mean, what is a Baptist? Who even knows what that is? I mean, you've got, you got Baptist Union, uh, you've got Baptist, uh, Arminian Baptist, General Baptist in history, and yes, there, there is a history and a story there, but it's basically every single kind of you know, general evangelical generic thing united around the concept of dunking. You know, it's just a stupid idea. Um, there's no real, it's just to, to unite on the on the issue of baptism seems like a, a bad idea from the get-go. Um, it's true that baptism will, uh, as a sort of um, a kind of constraint on your theology. Make sure that you are always going to be separating church and and state. It's hard to be a Baptist and a Reconstructionist. Although, um, interestingly, I've seen a few of those lately. Quite, quite, an, quite a, um, yeah, uh, almost a, a kind of, um, 
morbid curiosity of mine to check that out. Uh, but yeah, I don't think that can work. And um, and so that's the good thing about uniting around uh, a kind of Baptist theology in that you're just basically saying, listen, there's a progression in 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 history. Uh, there's a progression in, in, in the Bible, at least, uh, of biblical theology and redemptive history. And uh, we're not doing it entirely in the same way as the Old Testament is doing it. I think every kind of Baptist, by virtue of their coming to a Baptist position, is going to see that in some way, shape, or form, uh, even if it is very basic and very generic and not nuanced enough. So historically, you've had Baptists, you know, they've been Arminians, they've been dispensational, they've been just everything, you know, united around that concept. But that's not enough. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel, I'd much rather unite with a Presbyterian and be united with like 90% of my theology and then just kind of make the, the Baptist thing um, almost uh, a periphery issue because... Uh, you know that's what it becomes. Then you've got the ninety percent agreement with um, with Reformed theology. You know that that's what you want to unite around. So that's why I'm a that's why I am a a uh, Reformed Baptist. That's why I am a sixteen eighty nine confessional Reformed Baptist. I I wish though, <laughs> I wish that we didn't call ourselves Reformed Baptists because. You know, it's just we play into that problem if we do. Now, it's also true that we're Baptists, so you know we can't be completely disingenuous about that. But, but I, you know, it's almost like I prefer a new title, like Baptist Steering. Oh yeah. Okay, okay, that's never gonna happen. I know. And it's also true that it's actually kind of stupid. But it, a Baptisterian communicates to me that really the issue is less on Baptist theology and more on on uh, 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 an endpoint tweak on a theology that everyone holds common, which I think is uh, an important uh, distinction there. So, for um, for example, you know, you've got your, uh, I mean, the very reason the 1689 um, framers of the confession put that confession out in the wording of the Westminster um, I think was a good thing. You know, people often, we often banter around with the Presbyterians like, hey, you stole our confession, you've ripped it off. And, and it's true. We uh, we have taken the wording of the Westminster, but that's not just because, you know, we couldn't think of our own wording historically. It's because uh, they, as a essentially Puritan congregationalist um, uh, community coming out of the Reformed Anglican, Reformed Presbyterian community, uh, needed a way to express that they are not they are not the kind of Baptists that just want to unite around dunking like the Anabaptists or, in, you know, in Europe when the Reformation was happening or even the General Baptists uh, who just kind of have somehow got besotted with that idea. Um, but rather they wanted to express that, hey, we are united with every point of Reformed doctrine except we feel that that doctrine consistently leads to a Baptist position rather than a pedo-Baptist position which is um, important. So it's it's kind of, or well, maybe is a good one. This will freak, <laughs> this will freak the Presbyterians out. We should call 1689 Baptists should call ourselves consistent Presbyterians. Ooh, I like it. I think I'm going to use that from now on. I'm a consistent Presbyterian or a consistent Kleinian, actually. The Chris will love that if he's listening. Consistent uh, uh, Westminster Escondido guy, definitely. Um, in that I feel like all of uh, the Escondido guys, Presbyterian or no, are actually Baptist in Presbyterian bodies. So um, literally, I think that's what's going on there. And um, and I, I realized they would have something else to say about it. But uh, anyway, so bottom line is um, there's huge, huge overlap there in, in, um, in Reformed theology. 
But uh, it's also true that if you just take the Baptist thing out of it entirely, um, you could, you see, and Chris and I talk about this all the time. In fact, this is largely what this podcast is devoted to, less the Baptist issue and more the, the different kind of Reformed theology issue. Um, you see within confessional Reformed theology uh, two massively different kinds of Reformed theology, I think, well represented today by the two the war going on between the two Westminster seminaries, uh, the one in California and the one in Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia representing this kind of um, uh, a position that would definitely closer align itself to the, the book. Uh, that is, I should tell you who edited it, shouldn't I? Um, well, I can't get there right now, so uh, just just look at that. I mean, some unknown editor guy, but but um, well, I don't know him anyway. Um, but uh, again, the the book's title, "The Failure of American Baptist Culture," um, it's uh, it's kind of like a it's it's an extreme version of what of what uh, Westminster Philadelphia would stand for, as they would critique. Westminster, California. And I bring that up because really that way you can kind of almost just see how stupid the, the concept of bringing a Baptist into this even is. It's, uh, I mean, they're critiquing the, the failure of American reformed culture in that sense. Um, they're critiquing the failure of, of, of um, Westminster uh, well, they're saying that the Westminster, California, has failed in its uh, its theology and the culture that that would pervade it and uh, that that would come forth from it. And so, I just you know, I feel like I, I that's just an important point to to bring out. That's my that's obviously that helps um, people understand. And if you, this is again just very relevant and bullseye in terms of what this podcast is about. But it helps perhaps to see why I feel like, as a Baptist, I relate so strongly to Westminster Escondido, and that's Klein and Horton and those guys, um, and, you know, just as a symbol, um, and um, and their theology. I feel like, uh, you know, it's just, um, it's, it's the same theology. Now, it's true that within that Westminster, California kind of theology, um, you do, you do have um, uh, a difference among the Baptists in that, uh, you know, we don't believe in infant baptism, but it's it's it almost just makes it even more intramural in the Reformed community to think about uh, think about it that way. I mean, I remember um, when uh, Dr. Jim Renihan was uh, teaching at Westminster Seminary in the Reformed Baptist Institute. You know, I asked him about this. I was like, well, you know. I remember when John Frame came out, came out both guns blazing um, against against uh, guys like Horton and uh, what 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 Westminster California was standing for. Um, you know, I was like, "Wow, what do you think about this, Jim?" And uh, you know, he was like, "Yeah, I actually agree with Frame." <laughs> and he said, uh, "You know, Frame's right in that they are standing for perhaps what is more viewed as a as a traditional Reformed theology uh, in in Philadelphia." And uh, Westminster, California, are, are kind of um, perhaps the minority viewpoint there. Although maybe they would push back on that. Uh, but you know, you have a more kind of Lutheran inclination, and perhaps a, a little bit more of a um, uh, emphasis on biblical theology and the progression of redemptive history, and uh, certainly an embrace of Klein's theology. Um, but then, you know, Jim went on to say that's exactly why he likes it so much there. That's exactly why he, as uh, really the godfather of the Reformed Baptist today, 
uh, find such a good home in uh, Westminster West because you know um, you have you have that that thing going on there and and it, although they're Presbyterians, we see how close that Presbyterian confessional reform theology is to a Reformed Baptist theology. It's practically the same theology with a slightly different outworking at the end point shown in things like who we baptize, the subjects of baptism. Um, and that's, that's, that's something very important to keep in mind, I think, as we, uh, whenever you think of anyone critiquing Baptist culture, you know, you've just, it's almost like a red, red flag for me. Uh, that said, you know, I, I think even Reformed Baptists and, you know, we would critique Baptist culture. I mean, there's so much nonsense that's happened in Baptist culture. And um, in some ways, the very title is impossible to to even be. It, it's sort of it, it must set up a straw man in some way because, um, you know, I mean, Baptists, again, they've just covered every spectrum of theological position and have only been united by their donkey. I mean, it's just like a non-entity in terms of the theological world. I don't know why anyone could even take that seriously. Um, but it's true. It's true. It's, it's almost like saying uh, the failure of Christian culture, you know, um, in America or something, because, I mean, that's going to cover a lot of ground. And, you know, one Christian is going to be very different from another Christian. You can't, yeah, sure, Christians have failed at, in certain ways, but you aren't really saying anything about anything when you're just, you know, uh, covering the whole, the whole group, the whole, um, the whole sweep uh, together as if it were, was one position. It, it's just sort of uh, any kind of critique will undermine itself when it does that or, or, or must discount itself at that point um, or discredit itself, I, sp- I suppose is the best word there. Um, so anyways, just some thoughts there about um, the connections on, on those things. And I might just in future podcasts come back to this. Um, I'm, I'm just recently thinking you know, through the the issue of baptism and uh, its covenantal sort of outworkings. And I do, uh, maybe just as a prelude to all of that, I, I just, um, I did want to say, you know, I think the, the important thing about a debate like that or a subject like that is, is less to do with um, trying to just kind of, you know, throw grenades onto the other side or anything like that or or even getting to the point where you now can exclude your brothers who disagree with you or something something uh, you know it's often goes in a very ugly direction i think the real value of that kind of debate lies in that it, it baptism has this amazing way being the covenant sign uh, of just bringing out the whole of covenant theology you can't really come to a um, conclusion on covenant theology, or, or sorry, let me pull that back. You can't come to a conclusion on what you believe about infant baptism uh, or, or um, uh, credo baptism. You, you can't figure out exactly what you believe there until you have worked out the issues pertaining to covenant theology, until you've understood covenant theology. Um, now, it's true that if you're a dispensational um, Christian who is a Baptist, I mean, well, you know, fine. That, that that sort of takes you out of the discussion a little bit, um, in that you've um, you've basically said, hey, um, none of that actually is even relevant for us. But thinking about those who do value the reality of the Bible being one story and all about Jesus and you know things that I would assume actually are quite basic in this whole thing, um, 
the people that do value the reality of of the covenant administration that God has shown in His Word, uh, people that do re- aren't willing to go into some weird dispensational thing, uh, they um, for them to make a call on the infant baptism. So basically, if they're reformed in beyond the soteriology, they're reformed in there. Uh, they're basically wanting to land into uh, somewhere in confessional reform theology. Uh, for them to make a call on this, you, you just have to do some serious study. There's no easy way to do this. And the Presbyterian argument, um, arguments, I should say, because there are many, not one, um, are, are clever. All of them have given serious thought to the covenants. So you can't just easily dismiss them. You have to know what you're talking about. You have to know um, why you would dismiss it if you still want to be covenantal. I mean, again, if you don't want to be covenantal, who cares? Just drop the whole thing, go dispensational, and then you know, obviously you're not going to baptize your infants. But for those um, that care about this, um, you just have to you have to work it out. Um, and so it, it tends to, I think the good thing about this, what I really feel like the value that comes from anyone that launches into something like this is that, okay, fine, they're going to figure out what to do with their babies. That's good. But um, also uh, they're going to really just have to uncover the most glorious theology in the whole Bible, uh, a theology that shows how everything leads to Christ and the mechanics of it. And, and, and the fruit of that is just, wow, it's devotional, it's profound, it's, it's life-changing. You know, <laughs> it's, it's so much more than, uh, than any uh, importance of, of landing on the correct side in terms of the debate between um, infant Baptists and Baptists. Um, it's, it's potentially a wellspring of life. Uh, to seeing how the the Bible works and how every part of the Bible speaks to you in its application, and uh, there is there is so much there to just um, it, it's weird that we don't like to study that. You'd think that that would be enough of a motive to to get into the Bible and study and work out covenant theology, but sometimes we need the drive um, that a polemical issue would give us. So we want to be. We want to figure out what to do is <laughs> often the thing. Like we want to know what do we do with our babies, and you know what? So be it. Uh, if that's what it, if that's what we need to to get in the debate, amen. Now again, I don't want to dismiss the the importance of baptism. Of course, we need to come to a correct conviction of that, or a biblical conviction at least. Um, but it's it's a crazy thing. I think the more that you get into it, the the more you feel like you can hold hands with the guy who, um, you know, has has um, come to another conviction, but through a, a, an earnest study on the same principles. So you can see exactly where you disagree and why you disagree, and you can agree to disagree. And there's sort of a mutual respect, I feel, that comes from that, um, uh, as opposed to just flippantly kind of... Um, like, I find it easier easier to really connect with someone who knows why they're Presbyterian and why they baptize the infants. If they've looked at it at every in and out, I find it very easy to connect with someone like that. There's usually a, a shared respect. Uh, you know, we understand you know exactly where we've gone differently. Um, uh, much easy, much I can connect with a guy like that a million times more easily than the guy who just flippantly decided to be a Baptist. You know, just because it's obvious that the Presbyterian position is unbiblical. Uh, I mean, that's just ugh, you know that freaks me out. So, man, that's a bit of a ramble, I will admit. I um, all, all prelude, I suppose, to um, maybe just what will be a bit of a focus for me um, for a while. I think it's also just a re- on that very thing that we've been talking about there, the Baptist thing kind of unveils eschatology. It unveils, um, well, let me not say the Baptist thing, but the Baptist-Presbyterian debate thing. 
um, it just launches us into every important dimension of what Two Age Sojourning uh, podcasts more or less should be about. Uh, Klein is in there. Eschatology is in there. Um, the technical stuff is in there. Uh, you know, certainly got your theology jam-packed. And then, of course, um, the 1689 and Confessions, uh, like it, have much to say. So I think it's just a very relevant thing to be looking at for a while. Um, so I'm going to come back to you on that, and we'll do a few sessions on that one. But those are some thoughts for you today on Technical Tuesday. They are kind of technical, you know. They're just uh, thoughts, that things that people don't normally talk about, but um, they should be spoken about. Um, they should be connected. And Spurgeon did, I think it was Spurgeon, who said, listen, don't kid yourself, covenant theology is the most difficult uh, subject in the whole Bible. It's the d- most difficult point of theology. Uh, but, of course, it pays the greatest dividends. Okay, so that's pretty much where I'm going to leave it today. Um, just did want to do one more quick thing. i tell you about that book. I managed to pull it up on my computer here, uh, the book I was talking about earlier. The Okay, there we go. This is... Um, it was published by Geneva Divinity School, editors James B. Jordan and Gary North. Well, if you know who Gary North is, heavy economy kind of militant reconstructionist dude. Um, oh, that's the one thing I wanted to say. Um, head and shoulders above most of these articles is um, one article that is written by... Um, a guy named uh, P. Richard Flynn. Don't know what the P stands for, but apparently he's from New Zealand. I'm not sure if he's still in New Zealand or what the deal is, but it was a minister in New Zealand. And um, uh, he wrote an article called Baptism, Redemptive History, and Eschatology, the Parameters of the Debate. So, ooh, I like that title. You know, that's great. That shows you how all these things are connected. And that title deals with Murray and Klein. It even has some interaction with um, uh, with uh, Paul King Jewett. If you know me, you know I'm a Jewett fan. And so, yeah, I mean, great. Uh, I feel like the the it's a the first part of the um, the article is really good, excellent, excellent sort of expose on the tensions within Presbyterian theology or Pentecostal theology. Um, and then the last half of the article is just, dude, it's like someone shot him in the head and he had to finish it. Uh, I don't know what went wrong there. My goodness, terrible. Absolutely shocking. I'll tell you why as we um, get to this um, topic later on. But bless you guys. Uh, that's hopefully enough to just get you in a whirlwind uh, listening to my blabbering on Technical Tuesday. And uh, join us for the re- remaining podcast uh, Sojourner pod week podcast thing that we do and uh remember smoke a pipe every single day not just on saturday we've upgraded people we've upgraded so talk to you soon Mm -hmm.